Welcome to a special bonus episode of the Weed Week podcast. I'm Donnell Alexander. I'm Alex Hopper. And we took a journey to Central California to talk about weed in Bakersfield in Kern County. It's quite a story. It's, it's not a wild like, story. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, Donnie took the trip. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> it was the royal we. Um, yeah. The story is the story of most of the state. And paradoxically, the story most of you don't know. But an interview with Jeff Jarvis, a, an activist from Bakersfield, a place that's pretty, pretty sparsely populated with cannabis activists, but he's one. They don't have anything there. I, they, I actually went through this episode and had to, um, had to reconcile the fact that they don't have anything. They don't have medical, and it's a, it's a county of more than 700,000 people. There's definitely illicit cannabis, but when you talk to Jeff Jarvis, you learn that it's a lonely journey in a rural locale like that. On top of everything, every step forward has been sort of made problematic by political shenanigans. Letitia Perez has been in the news lately as a county supervisor who is um, being charged with corruption, and she's pleading not guilty, I should say. I'll let Jeff Jarvis explain how all that unspools. They, they, they do have hope in the 2020 ballot. What did they hope will happen in 2020? They have a legalization plan. In, so this is in Bakersfield, California, so basically to allow the industry into the county? You'd think you'd think in a place like Bakersfield, with all with all due respect, <laughs> this is going to be great. This is going to be real respectful. I mean, you know, there's not a lot to do in Bakersfield. It's really hot. Oh, that's relatively I respectful. Mean, it's hard to believe this is quite so controversial. You have to be there. It's a, when you talk about so conservative California and how conservative California is. Conservative, conservative California is. You might as well be in Iowa or Indiana. It's it's fascinating because you know you're talking about the traditional. Christian conservatives, but also Latinos are hella conservative when you start talking about people who aren't from urban areas. For reasons we talked about in the past about cannabis. and Sure. I mean, they're probably very wary of having something like this in their communities. Let's go to Bakersfield. Um... Welcome to Weed Week. We are in the Central Valley again. I like to come as often as I can. I think I mentioned to our, our guest today that I went to college at Fresno State, so I find the stories here as often as I can. I connect with Bakersfield in the sense that when I was in college, and this is something that's very hard to explain to my children because they're growing up in this era of legalization. I experienced many, many weed droughts at Fresno State. <laughs> I have one particular trip in mind where I, when I and some writers from the Fresno Bee, a photographer from the Fresno Bee, we took a, a road trip through the Thule Fog, and I know you know. Oh, yes. I've, I've parked in it and spent the night. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember having all this um, apprehension about having to go all the way to Bakersfield. It wasn't the fog that was freaking me out. It was like Bakersfield. I was like, weed in Bakersfield? What is that even like? Um, what are we talking about when we talk about weed in Bakersfield? I, I, I should stop and have you introduce yourself. Yes, I'm. my name's Jeff Jarvis. I was the former president of Kern Citizens for Patient Rights, KCPR. Um, we were a pact that formed in 2011 to, if you will, fight the county and the Board of Supervisors from closing down legitimate, legal, California-sanctioned medicinal cannabis operations. And I, I, I wanted to talk to you because 
there's so much of this misconception about cannabis in California. People think it's legal everywhere and that there's recreational marijuana all around it. Well, you're correct. A lot of people assume because Prop 64 passed that anywhere in California they can go buy recreational cannabis, and that is absolutely not the case. Cities, counties, and municipalities have the right to determine if these businesses will be allowed in their jurisdictions. Um, Kern County is an extremely conservative county, um, and the Board of Supervisors for the county, as well as the City Council for the City of Bakersfield, uh, have publicly and aggressively come out against medicinal cannabis as well as adult use cannabis. So currently, right now in Kern County, there are no businesses operating in a, a legal manner. Even delivery. Delivery uh, is an interesting sidelight. Side a delivery business must have a storefront, must have a physical location, but they cannot do any business, any trade out of that location. But to qualify and be licensed by the state, they must have that now. Um, so that what I'm saying is what that means is here in Bakersfield, they can't do it because the city and counties have banned it. However, if you get out of Kern County, say Los Angeles County, a delivery service legally can deliver and bring product to patients or to individuals in Kern County. I've heard that there's actually a lot of support on the ground for legalization. The best way that I could illustrate that is with both the referendum as well as the um, um, initiatives that we brought to the ballot, both in the county as well as in the city. We were required to gather for the county. It was... Uh, the, in, for, in the first one for the referendum, we had to get roughly 24,000 signatures. I think it was 22.8 to be exact. Um, when we elected to chat to go after the referendum in 2011 to stop the county from closing the businesses down, we had 28 days to gather the signatures, present them to county officials to meet the deadline to make the ballot. We were told that was impossible. Not only did we get our 22 or 24,000 signatures, we gathered over 35,000 signatures in 28 days. We also registered over 5,500 new voters, which was a record for Kern County. Never, never had happened. The referendum stopped it. The businesses were allowed to stay open because we qualified that. The county then moved forward with an initiative on the ballot or proposition on the ballot called Measure G, only for Kern County. And Measure G effectively allowed businesses to operate, but only in extremely selective areas, areas that were unrealistic for any type of operation, let alone for ill patients that require medicinal cannabis as their preferred choice of medicine, it would be unrealistic for them to travel there. It could take them over an hour back and forth. And, and the locations were not, there was no established locations. It was raw, raw I'm land. I'm sorry, I have to ask, why, why are these locations so far away? Because the county was, that was their way of stopping and preventing cannabis in Kern County. It was done intentionally. Um, and when that passed, we lost that at the ballot because it was written in a way that if you voted, if people assumed if they voted no, that would stop the county. Well, no meant yes, and yes meant no. So there was confusion at the, at the ballot box. We had members come into our association the day of the election, say, boy, we just voted yes, we're, we're helping out, we're, we're going to get this passed. No clue. They voted against it. You suffered this loss. It sounds like a pretty demoralizing loss. What's the state of cannabis after this goes down? After that happened, 
we challenged that because in essence the county was still banning it and that had been overturned by our referendum so we challenged that in court we lost at the local level we took it to the fifth district appeals court we won unanimously at the fifth district the county then was frustrated that they didn't win they took it to the state supreme court the supreme court unanimously turned them down and actually chastised them and scolded them for trying again to go around the voters. Um, so again, we were then able to operate. How did you get in this situation? What happens to this group that you established in 2011, and why is there nothing here? We're, we're taking a step forward, two steps back, a step forward, because each time when the county would challenge, we had to do something about it. We were fortunate, as I said, that KCPR, the the attorney was kind enough to provide all legal services for us, no charge. Um, and that allowed us to be able to challenge the county and the city in court when necessary. Now we're moving into 12 and 13 and 14. Businesses were allowed to stay open. No new businesses could open. Um, and in 16, we started an initiative process for the city of Bakersfield to get a city ordinance allowing medicinal cannabis in specific areas. Again, everything that we, done, we had done with regards to the initiatives or the referendum, all of those followed state law and were applicable any county regulations, like the businesses couldn't be in a residential location. They had to be a thousand foot away from a school, a park, a children's recreational center, things like that. So we structured these initiatives based on California law so that the county didn't have to rewrite or create laws, or the city didn't have to write and create laws. The next year, I think it's at the end of 2017, you have the scandal that sort of breaks out at the county supervisor level. And I, I was thinking about this just because I've read in the paper about Letitia Perez, who was a supervisor, and she was in court the other day with allegations against the, the county DAs. There are allegations of um, that are unlike anything I've actually seen at the city council level or this county supervisor level. There's a case over in on the coast, and I'm just not able to think of the county. I want to say it's Santa Cruz County, but it may not be, so I don't want to libel them. But that's the only other local governmental um, situation that's similar to yours. And maybe you should explain it, because clearly I'm not able to do it that well. Well, Supervisor Perez, um, uh, her husband is a cannabis activist and has a consulting business that works within the marijuana sides of business, if you will, the industry. Um, the allegations against Perez, as I understand them, and my information, too, is from what I've read or heard on, on news, is that supposedly two interested parties uh, of her husband's had a meeting with Fernando Hara and Leticia Perez in the supervisor's office, and supposedly these two individuals each paid $25,000 to... Hara in his consulting business with the allegation that, okay, there's going to be undue influence, the husband to the wife as a supervisor, this is un unacceptable. Additionally to that, Perez supported, there was, at the same time, there was the election for a new district attorney. Perez supported the woman that did not win the office, and there's talk that this is retribution that the, the new 
district attorney is filing these charges because Perez didn't support her. Now, that just seems absurd to me, but that's neither here nor there. At the end of the day, and I, I had mentioned to you earlier, one of the things that disturbs me the most about this is we have a small board uh, of county supervisors. Correct. When you take one person off of that, that's significant. Well, no one's taken her off. She's recused herself about having any votes with anything dealing with marijuana or, or medicinal cannabis, anything dealing with the industry. I take offense to that because we voted her into office. We voted her in because of her beliefs. It, it, I understand that there's concern of possible collusion because her husband's in this industry too, but at the end of the day, we voted this person into office to vote her, her beliefs. She is a supporter of cannabis. Now she's recused herself, so in my eyes, she's not doing her job, and that, dis- that distresses me. Well, all of that's very interesting, but I'm curious to know, where are you now? Where is the board now with cannabis and legalization? Well, with regards to the board, the Board of Supervisors, where it stands now is at least two of them, Mick Leeson and David Couch, have reached out to the community. They've actually held meetings to better understand the medicinal side of cannabis. No one on the board, and I would say the voters of Kern County, would have a difficult time approving recreational. That being said, I also believe that they are in favor of medicinal cannabis for patients that require this. Um, And the board, back to the board, whereas five years ago there was absolutely no consideration for medicinal cannabis. It was a terrible thing. It's going to kill our children, da-da-da-da. Now the board realizes, at least certain members of the board, that cannabis does have a place in the medicinal side of, of medicine for these individuals that have difficulty taking certain meds. Some people can't take the opiates, can't take some of the drugs that will give them relief, whereas cannabis will provide them similar relief. And interestingly, and I'm sure you've seen the studies, states that have approved this, Colorado being one, 37% reduction in the amount of opium overdoses in a year's time. That's phenomenal. And in this county, we do have a serious problem, not with cannabis, but with meth, with heroin. Um, It's a difficult county. So at least now, back to the supervisors, they've said they're considering it. The problem is they've been considering it now for over a year. And at the end of the day, what's happened? The only people suffering and the only people that are being, being put in a position of not receiving fair treatment are the patients that use cannabis. They're... It's like, uh, you know, if the county truly cared, they had an avenue to be able to provide local medicine, local locations to, a f- there were uh, roughly 35 businesses in the county, rough, rough, um, that were operating under the guise that the county knew. Of that, there were probably four to six, I'm not sure the exact number, I know of at least three myself, businesses that have already gone through the due diligence of qualifying with the state and being issued a temporary license. And that, that is quite a hurdle. I mean, cannabis is the most, most regulated uh, uh, consumable in the state of California right now. By, by far. I mean, not a little bit, by far. So just being able to get that temporary license means that they did everything required by the state under new state law. The county, all they had to do was allow those businesses to operate, the ones that had actually qualified under the state. And again, we're talking three or four businesses. 
um, that would have allowed patients to have access to data medicine. Yeah, it's one of the things also that's a little ironic to me is the 30 businesses that have had the opportunity over the last few years to, to, to position themselves and to work with the state of California to be able to get a temporary license have chose not to do it, which tells me they weren't serious in the first place. However, as I'd mentioned, there were at least four to six shops that have aggressively done this. They've spent tens of thousands of dollars in improvements that the state required. Um, with the hope that the county would look at this and realize these are businessmen or women and that there is the need, that they've agreed and said there is a need. They could have licensed those businesses and allowed for local access to the patients that needed it, and they failed us again. When you say it's failed, it's intentional, right? As far as I'm concerned, it is. I mean, they had a, they had a legitimate option, a reasonable option, an option that would not have caused, I don't believe, any kind of huge um, uh, concern or, or retaliation from the citizens of the county. This was a reasonable approach. They didn't even consider it. One of the things that was always also kind of, <laughs> for me personally, um, difficult is we reached out to people like Normal. Normal should have been all over this, all over this. They didn't do a damn thing to help us. They wouldn't even... They didn't have the courtesy to even bring someone up to understand what was going on. Why do you think that is? I wish I knew. I was, I, I, I mean, I was dumbfounded, frankly, of their lack of at, anything. We re, I mean, we reached out to people. I mean, in the beginning, we reached out to people like Weed Maps and people that were making money off this industry. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with it. I, I want to talk about the people who run the dispensaries because, you know, I, I've asked some questions and I've read some articles and I've come across some colorful characters. <laughs> I, to say the I, least. I, I mean, and I'm not going to ask you to mention names or anything like that, but I read a really compelling quote that kind of intrigued me and confused me at the same time. And it was the really sad thing is the, the guys that actually own dispensaries in town are the same guys that sabotage the campaigns. What could that possibly mean? <laughs> I can tell you exactly what it means. Um, with the last election, at the county level, there were two initiatives on the ballot for medicinal cannabis. One was the initiative we brought forward. Another was an initiative brought forward by the L.A. Partners Group. That was a group out of Los Angeles that had arranged in a an area off of 5 and 99, outside of town, about 30 miles away, to have a, just a location there only. That would be the only place cannabis would be allowed in the county. Um, both those measures went to the ballot. What happened prior to that, before... I'm sorry, the L.A. group would have the sole place to themselves? Correct. And how did that sit with people? Well, that was one of, I mean, from our perspective, that was one of the things we campaigned against, that do you want L.A.? to have the benefits. One of the things that it prevented was our local farmers from being able to grow cannabis. Yeah. Or hemp. I shouldn't say cannabis. I should say hemp. What's the difference? To me, well, the difference is hemp is that it has less psychoactive properties than, we'll say, cannabis. Hemp is more of an industrial product used for, for fabric, used for uh, um, paper, used for, you know, all those kinds of goods. Oh, yeah. The difficulty with that particular initiative, it was 48 pages long. Our initiative was three. The proponents of Measure J, which was our initiative, I'm sorry, Measure O was our initiative for the county, um, that, that 
with Mejereau, because the county had had an opportunity already to review a lot of this, the county had the opportunity to look at O for over, over two years. We actually worked with um, the planning commissioner to draft this to make sure that it felt, fell into reasonable grounds from the planning department's perspective, if you will. Um, whereas Measure K, Measure K had never been looked at. No environmental impact study had been done, which had been done on O. Um, no due diligence of any kind by the county had been looked at with this measure. And frankly, I'm convinced that it was put on the ballot against ours intentionally to split the vote. So neither of them would qualify. And that's exactly what happened. Now, you'd ask specifically about, about individuals, we'll, I'll say, sabotaging or, or compromising some of the campaigns. What occurred with Measure O and Measure J for the city is one of the individuals that was part of KCPR went a different route, felt that that he could pre- prepare or bring forward a better initiative. So he, that was a splinter group. They went off, and unfortunately, this individual, uh, I would say, lacked a lot of tact in the way that he communicated with the board because he made presentations. He angered the board. He threatened the board. He was exceptionally aggressive, and frankly, that was very off-putting to an awful lot of people, including myself. This individual that splintered off was unable to gather enough signatures to qualify for the 2018 ballot, continued gathering signatures, got his signatures, and qualified that for the upcoming election in 2020. So there will be one initiative today as it stands on our county ballot in 2020 and that will be the initiative that this individual brought forward and qualified with signatures i have one more question one more question for you um if you were talking to someone in nebraska about their efforts to get legalization to their smaller more rural town what would you tell them to do what would they what would be some advice what not to do what to do to me, the I don't know if they're tricks, but we were able to gather signatures because we had an extremely strong grassroots following. And by making ourselves available to the public, we any opportunity we have, we gave presentations in front of the Chamber of Commerce. We gave presentations um, uh, to, to the realty group. I mean, I, I believe in 15 years from now, you'll see, you'll see marijuana shops or whatever they are, as, uh, just like you will a drugstore or a gas station. Even in Bakersfield. Even in Bakersfield. Thanks for having me in your home. Really good. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned every month for a new episode, a bonus episode of the Weed Week podcast. Thanks. Thanks.